Well, good morning. Welcome to Welcome Seventy Baptist Church. This is the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. It is good to see each and every one of you, and it's my prayer that y'all had a wonderful and blessed Thanksgiving. And I don't know about you, but I did, and we still got Thanksgiving left over. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's a good problem to have, right there. It's good to see each and every one of you. If you're joining us this morning, visiting, uh, we want to welcome you. As you get off your visitor card, you'll find a fun new place and awesome place something else that you have directed of your visit. We greatly appreciate that. If you're joining us online this morning, we want to welcome you as well and ask you to consider being right here in the sanctuary and experience what God is doing in Rock Saturday Baptist Church. And speaking of that, what God is doing, I'm going to share with you a little bit about what we've been up to. If you have been a part of the Operation Christmas Child Outreach, Worldwide ministry, amazing ministry. Uh, so we got a chance to be a part of it. The first time in three years, I want to share this with you from the bottom of my heart. Becky and I got to go to the Dallas Prophecy Center. And it was a wonderful time. We had a great time. We saw all kinds of people. You're going to see some pictures from me here shortly. But uh, somebody came up to me out of nowhere and said, You need to go meet this young man. I said, Why do I need to go meet this young man? He said, He was a recipient of a shoebox from time to time. And so he was there, and he was volunteering, and you wouldn't even have known if there was anything different about it. He was right there in the middle of us, walking around with us, and being a part of what the effort was going on, and being a part of all of that. And uh, there's an interesting young man, so we'll get to meet him in a little bit. His name is Moises, so I'll show you some slides of him in the next couple of days. And uh, I want you to know that it was a wonderful time. Thank you for being a part of Operation Christmas Child, and please continue to pray about that. I know we still have a few other teams that are going out to the next couple of days, to some of the next couple of weeks, to be a part of that. Pray for the safe travel. Pray for the outreach in there. Uh, I don't know what the total is going to be, but I do know that as we were leaving, we had a sign on the wall that said, we processed 45,000 shoeboxes. <laughs> I don't know. That's nowhere near the, the, the goal that was there. So there was some that was over 50,000. I was looking at the issues of some of those. That was an amazing amazing time. Uh, I got there at 9 a.m., and next thing you know, it was 5 p.m. We all went back here. So, uh, God bless you. And I also want to mention a special family. Our family back in church, not to mention you by name. But you blessed Betsy and I. Met with my family. Uh, you gave us a wonderful, completely all-natural turkey. And I want you to know we were so grateful for that. First time we ever had a completely homegrown turkey. It was an amazing experience in that as well. God bless you, and thank you for that. All right. With that being said, I want to share with you a little bit about what's happening at Welcome Family Baptist Church. Uh, if you are a part of those upcoming trips, get your hearts ready for it. Start praying right now. It's a time of service. It's a time of dedication. You're going to meet all kinds of amazing people. You're going to work with a lot of different people. So it's a great, great, great time. Uh, there may be some time to still get involved in some of those. You have to talk to about that, so you know a lot more about that than I will. All right, what's coming up this week? Today, after service today, 4.30 p.m., right here in the center, we'll have our katana practice. If you're in that katana, you need to be there and be a part of that. We'll get real close to our katana time. It's less than a month away. Also, the children's katana will be coming up as well. That time frame, start praying about that. It's going to be a neat, neat, neat time. Um, we have a wonderful opportunity to be a part of this. Wednesday. I know we missed Wednesday for Thanksgiving this week. It's really hard on a Baptist preacher. So we got to, uh, all the people that were in our group yesterday, we got together and had a devotion. And I almost 
preach to them. It was really hard not to do. Um, so, but either way, it was a good time in that. Um, but this Wednesday coming up, the 29th, we're going to be meeting at First Baptist Church in Cotton And we're going to be a part of the Ministerial Alliance. Feast of Sharing. So, Tom, please support us in that. Show your support to Rock Family Baptist Church in there. We'll have three different preachers, not preachers to preach sermons. About a 10 or 12 minute message each one. And so, one of those preachers will be me. So, please support me in that. Pray for me in that. And pray that God's will will be done in inside of this week week service. So, be a part of that first Baptist church six thirty this Wednesday. All right. Um, that's where we're going throughout the rest of this week. However, I want to remind you that our ladies Bible study can pick back up, excuse me, and men's Bible study can pick back up this Thursday, um, at their normal scheduled time. Uh, we have a wonderful Hanukkah celebration coming up December sixth at six PM, so that will be a Wednesday. Please note the time change went up to six thirty to six PM. Next, so we have a little bit of time to go over what Hanukkah is, like the menorah, and of course, we'll have some traditional Hanukkah treats for the media. And I got the inside information on that. Jelly Donuts will be there. Praise God. All right. Uh, coming up, the November 30th, y'all, at 10 a.m., it's going to be a Thursday, right after uh, this Thursday at First Baptist Church. Coming up November 30th, we'll be decorating the church at 10 a.m. So if you have a spare moment, you can be here at 10, you'll be over around 12. Uh, we really could use your help in decorating the church for Christmas season. So, if you have that same time, we'd love to have you and have you be a part of that. All right. I think that's really about it for the upcoming announcement we will share with you this moment. This is something I have to talk to you. Okay. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. May I be afraid to be honest and welcome one another. Father God, we thank you now in Jesus' name. Lord, how we thank you for this day. Lord, would you reach out and touch us and bless us. May we worship you in truth and spirit. May you to change the heart today, Lord God. May you to take us and use us today. And I pray, Lord God, if there be anyone in this room today, we trust in the Lord and Savior. We should let today be that day. I also pray, Lord God, that you let today be a day of rejoicing. Today, Lord, that we can lay down our cares, our concerns, our fears, Lord God, and look to you and look to Jesus, the only begotten Son of the Father. And I pray, Lord, that today be a day we worship you. That we give you the praise, the honor, and glory, even now, in Jesus' holy name. Bless you all to see drive and welcome one another.
you would, please make your way back to your seats. We'll continue on with our service. All yours, my friend.
seen God do some miraculous things. It's just witness now. Crossing of the Jordan River. Added to this, they had sent out some spies. Joshua did. They returned to let Israel know that the cities and the kingdoms were afraid of them. They had let all of Israel know, hey, wherever we went, our hearts were terrorized because of our presence. Also, it was due right now for us to remember that the children of Israel had been in the wilderness wandering for 40 years. Remember, in that 40 years, God said the man every day. Except, of course, on the Sabbath day. On the Sabbath, they were to gather twice as much the day before the Sabbath. And they would eat through the Sabbath. Do you remember the story? Do you remember how their shoes didn't wear out? Do you remember how the only ones that passed away were those that were in the original group that came out of Egypt? Those that refused to enter the promised land. So here's the point this morning. For 40 years, God has given them a feast. For 40 years, God has fed them with manna. And now, as we read, we read this in Joshua 5, the feast is over. The feast had come to an end. The manna had come to an end. So, what's after the feast? What do they do next? And in fact, we need to ask ourselves, come back by the well, you probably already know it's after Thanksgiving. And what did most of y'all do after Thanksgiving? Now, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir here at Robson Avenue, because I've done this before with you. If I were to ask for a show of hands this morning, how many people went Black Friday shopping? There would be very little at Robson Avenue. There was one hand in the back. They put it down quick when no one else lived in <laughs> But what do we do after Thanksgiving? Most of us were happy the Cowboys won. So, what did you do after Thanksgiving? You sit back, you relax, you enjoy. Some of us got in the car, we drove to Dallas, and we had that wonderful time at Operation Christmas Shop. However, remember during Thanksgiving, during that feast that we had, we gave thanks to God, and we acknowledged God as the giver. And we praised His holy name. So the question comes to us, what happens after the feast? Now, if you're one of those holiday-oriented people, but if you're one of those holiday-oriented people, then you're probably already planning for Christmas. I, I know some of the people here at Lawson Avenue, and you've got some planners out on saying, this is the day I'm going shopping, this is where I'm shopping at, this is how much I'm going to spend. And you've got it all worked out. However, if you're like me, and a lot of men are, you might feel a little useless after the feast. Because our job is done. Most men's job are sometimes the Christmas churches. They say, Pastor, what's your job? To eat the turkey, amen? So you might feel a little useless. But wouldn't you feel a little bit useless? Remember this. In fact, someone actually took the time to put nutritional information on a bag of ice. That's pretty useless, isn't it? Calories, carbohydrates, yeast. Could you imagine reading the ingredients? I wonder if we're going to make it. <laughs> so, I want to tell you all something else. So, um, the youth group was at my house a few days ago. We had a movie back at my house, and we went and got pizza. And you know they have to put instructions on the pizza boxes now that says, remove from box before consuming. I'm telling you the truth. 
know, sometimes we feel a little bit useless right after the feast. We feel like, what are we to do now? What are we supposed to be doing? And seriously, though, we need to find out what's after the feast. Now, Joshua leads the people into Gilgal, and he leads them into the promised land into Gilgal. And let's look and see what happens there. You the people are taking on the world today. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, the same rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. So the first thing that Israel did, and this is the first thing we can learn if we ask that question, what comes after the feast? Or what happens after the feast? Or what's next after the feast? What are we supposed to be doing? We can learn from Israel. What did Israel do? Well, the first thing they did, according to verse 8, is they were circumcised. They were healing. Remember circumcision in verse 8? They stand back. They were healing. They were sitting back and relaxing for a little bit right there. And the reason why is they had been circumcised. Now, as Christians, we need to realize that the feast, and you need to understand here for a second, what does that mean for us to be circumcised? Well, it means that we acknowledge the covenant. That's what Old Testament circumcision was, that we acknowledge the covenant, that we are part of God's covenant. And if we're to apply that to a New Testament lifestyle, that means we're back in God's way, back in doing it God's way, back in God's will, back in God's house, back with God's people, and we are acknowledging the covenant again. But we need to understand something, and this is a principle that we often find in modern day life. We need to realize that when we have a feast, no matter what the feast is for, no matter what it comes from, the feast oftentimes makes us complacent. Did you know that? Don't believe me? Then try to stay awake after you eat the turkey. Go like this. That means amen. In a Baptist church. We need to realize that the feast makes us complacent. So when things are going good, let's look at that spiritually. When things are going good, we get comfortable. We get really comfortable when things are going good, when things are happening spiritually, when people are getting saved, people are getting baptized, people are joining the church. We get complacent, don't we? When our Sunday school classes are growing, we get complacent in that we are in part of that feast. God is raining manna down on us. We get a little bit complacent. We get comfortable. Well, we will do well to remember that God is holy and He requires obedience. See what happens when we become complacent as we start getting comfortable with God. And let me remind you that it does not do to get too comfortable with God. God is not Bubba. Somebody say amen. God is not the co-pilot. Somebody say amen. God is not your best friend, best buddy, good luck charm. He's a holy creator and He's there to die. So when we end up uncomfortable, we oftentimes start treating God like, well, he's second class. You say, wait a minute, I've never done that with God before. When you can do something saying God will overlook my sin, you're treating God second class. Are you hearing me this morning? I know that we're a little complacent from the feast. What do we do after the feast? Well, the first thing Israel did was go through circumcision. They reaffirmed the covenant. And that's a picture we need to learn as a Christian church today. It doesn't matter how good things are going. We need to make sure the covenant, God's covenant, is number one in our lives. We're going to do well to remember that God is holy and requires obedience. The circumcision at Gilgal was a reaffirming of God's covenant. Please remember that the first generation that came out of Egypt did get circumcised. However, they died because of disobedience in the wilderness. Now they're at Gilgal and they're being circumcised. It's a reaffirming of that covenant. Remember the generation that came out of Egypt? 
They're the ones that walked. They're the ones that disobeyed. And they're the ones that complained. And they died in the wilderness. And this generation, this new generation we're looking at here, needed to acknowledge that covenant. So the question I have for you is, are you really comfortable with God lately? Are you one of those that says, hey, I can complain to God. I can whine and cry to God about how things are happening, even though God has given me manna. God has given me shoes that don't wear off of my feet. God's given me clothes that I'm not growing out of. Somebody say amen this morning. You're awful, awful quiet. Y'all had turkey for dinner last night, didn't you? You're still tired in that. Here's my point, though. Could you imagine right now in the year 2043 having a pair of shoes that does not wear out? If you're a mother or father of teenagers, you would be praising God for the rest of your life. Here's the deal, though. When you get comfortable with God, you get complacent. When you get complacent, then you start treating God less than holy when He comes more friendly. And when we put God in the friend zone, then we end up treating His covenant like it's not important. So God's providing. That's our general attitude. Hey, God's providing, so I must be doing something right. Here's a lesson for you this morning. The feast will come to an end. I didn't get any feedback on that. The feast will come to an end. Like it or not, the manna will come to an end. Like it or not, we're expected to eat from the fruit of the land we are entering in. Are you hearing me this morning? We're expected to get up and get to work. We're expected to cry out to God saying, help me, provide me, lead me, guide me, and direct me, and not get too comfortable like we do during feast time. That feast will come to an end. That's the first part we need to learn. And the second thing we need to learn, well, if we were still in the first part there, the big part is we need to reaffirm the covenant. And perhaps I'm preaching to you this morning. Perhaps you're online and you're thinking about this morning. I've been looking for a church where I can reaffirm my relationship with God. Well, you know what you need to do? You need to take a picture from Israel and reaffirm the covenant He gave you. What's the covenant that God gave Christians? The covenant is, is if you will accept my son, you'll never die. That's the covenant now. Do you need to reaffirm that this morning? Do you need to reaffirm that? Do you need to re- be reassured at that? Perhaps you say, well, I've been fooled with manna, manna, manna. I've got complacent. I've got lazy in my relationship with God. And I feel like I don't know where He is or what He's doing. Oftentimes, a feast can do that for us. Oftentimes, a feast makes us that way. Sometimes, in God's goodness, we end up becoming less than thankful. Are you hearing me this morning? We need to reaffirm that covenant. We need to reaffirm that relationship. Israel did. They got into Gilgal, and they went through circumcision. Now, remember the second thing we need to look at. Remember verse 9? Verse 9 says, God spoke to Joshua. God spoke to them. Now, I need you to understand something, though. God said, I rolled away the reproach of Egypt. There's a picture in that that we need to learn. There's a picture in that we need to put there. What is the reproach of Egypt? Is it because they had been to Egypt? No. That's like saying, well, Pastor, I once rooted for Texas A&M. I'm now disgraced. You might say, oh, Pastor, I once rooted for University of Texas. I'm now disgraced. No, that's not what God is talking about. He's talking about the reproach of Egypt. What is the reproach of Egypt? It's not being disgraced. It's holding on to a lifestyle of idolatry. 
It's holding on to a lifestyle of saying, if I don't like what this God has given me, I'll go to another God. And you know, we do that all the time. You say, wait a minute, Pastor, what are you preaching about? We do it all the time. If we don't like what one church has given us, where do we go? Another church, and to another church, and to another church. So we find one that says what we want them to say. We find one that gives what we want them to give. When God says, I'm here to give you manna. And not just that, but the manna will feast. The feast will come to an end. Sooner or later, you've got to get up and eat the parched corn. Sooner or later, you've got to eat the fruit of the land that you're in. And if you're too lazy and too complacent, it's going to be hard on you. However, you need to pay attention to verse 9. God spoke to Joshua. God rolled away that reproach. What we need to glean from this verse, more important than anything else at this moment, is that Joshua heard God's voice. Read it again in verse 9. God spoke, the Lord spoke to Joshua. Joshua knew who was talking. Now there's something to learn from that. There's something to put to work in your life here. Number one, point this morning, what comes after the feast is reaffirming the covenant. Then the second part is make sure you know God's voice. What happens when a Christian doesn't know God's voice? Well, if you don't know God's voice, you're not saved. Somebody say amen. Look with me in John 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. If you don't know God's voice, and God hasn't revealed His voice to you, you've got a major spiritual problem today. Do you want to hear God's voice? You might be saying, yes, Pastor, how do I hear God's voice? Well, then you've got to become one of His sheep. And how do you do that? The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, verse 6, but without faith, it's impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. When you start looking out for God, when you start crying out to God, when you start begging Him to speak, He speaks all around us. The problem is, is we don't recognize His voice. His voice has become lost to us because we're so complacent, because we're so lazy, expecting just the manna to come. Now, you got to learn the picture that Joshua gives us. When God spoke, Joshua knew his voice. However, we read also in Joshua chapter 5, when he meets the captain of the Lord's host, he didn't know who that was. Are you hearing me this morning? He meets the captain of the Lord's host, and the Lord's host, the captain of the Lord's host, has to, have to tell him, hey, I'm the captain. Joshua didn't know what he looked like, but the moment he spoke, he knew that voice. Amen? You've got to understand the picture here. Joshua knew the Lord's voice. And Christian, if you don't know the Lord's voice, then you need to get your relationship started with God. How do we do that? Well, Hebrews 11, 6 gives us a picture into that. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Number one, you've got to believe He exists. Quit saying, God, if you do exist, speak to me. Start saying, God, I believe you exist. Show me. He who comes to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. How does He reward us? It's not with money. It's not with treasure. It's with Himself. God rewards those who seek Him by revealing parts of Himself to them. And the more you learn about God, the more you hunger and the more you thirst for God. And those of you that are in that relationship with God, you know what I'm talking about. You can't get enough of Him. Somebody say amen. That's the reward when you diligently seek after Him. Notice that Joshua didn't hear God until after the circumcision. Now, remember verse 9? God was quiet. Yes, the manna was coming. Yes, 
they were being fed. Yes, the manna stopped after they ate that day. The feast came to an end, and they were wondering, what do we do after the feast? And God spoke to him, removed or rolled away the reproach of Egypt. You don't have to be idolatrous anymore. You don't have to be afraid of any of these false gods, fake gods, false churches anymore, because I've rolled that away from you. The picture that we need to learn is that God spoke after the circumcision. He spoke to them when they reaffirmed the covenant. And perhaps that's something you need to do this morning. Reaffirm your covenant. Pastor, one of them says, Pastor, I got saved when I was 15. Pastor, I got saved when I was 17. Oh, Brother Josh, I got saved when I was 25. And somewhere down the line, I got lazy, I got complacent, I got a little fat with what God was giving me. And the next thing you know, I wasn't hearing His voice anymore at all. Perhaps this is the morning you need to come down and reaffirm the covenant. You need to take a page out of Israel's story and say, Listen, God, I want to get back right with you. And I know it's not a physical circumcision, but it's a spiritual circumcision. Would you circumcise my heart? So I can hear your voice. Be back in your will. Rejoice with your people. Worship with your people. And perhaps you're online this morning and you're looking for that kind of relationship. You say, I'm looking for that church. I'm looking for that place where I can get right with God again. I want you to know it doesn't matter what church you go to. It matters what God you worship. When you start giving your heart back to Jesus Christ, you're going to find out He talks, He speaks, He leads, He guides, and He directs His people. However, Joshua didn't hear His voice until His circumcision. In fact, that's what you need this morning as well. You need to come back to God. Israel did. Was Israel ever out of God's hands? No. Was Israel ever out of God's plans? No. But Israel didn't get directed by God until they reaffirmed that covenant. You need to reaffirm that covenant. You need to rededicate yourself this morning. Look at me in Romans 10 9. I often use this verse for salvation, but I want you to see something in here. Look at me in verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. You know what confess means? That doesn't mean stand up saying, Jesus is Lord. Confess means it's a lifestyle where Jesus Christ is in charge. Jesus is my Lord. You'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus if you will make a bold statement today that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. That's just where you are this morning, right now. Okay. I need to reaffirm the covenant. I want to come down this morning and I want to confess He's my Lord. I did it once before. I don't believe I can lose my salvation. I don't believe you can lose it either. But I can tell you this right now. If you're not hearing His voice, you've got to follow Him. You need to come down and get it right with God this morning. The third thing we can learn from the picture of Israel after the feast. What comes after the feast? They've been feasting on manna. They had reaffirmed the covenant, and they heard God's voice. What's the third thing we can learn here? Look at me in Joshua 5. Look at 13, 14, and 15. It came to pass when Joshua brought Jericho that he looked and died. And he looked, and behold, a man was opposite him with a sword, drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Why are you mentioned to you? But Joshua didn't know who this guy was. Look at me in verse 13. He didn't know who he was. And he noticed some things about him, because the Bible puts it in this verse. A man standing opposite him. Standing opposite him. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that when you're looking at your worst excuse, let me tell you something about Israel and Jericho. This was their biggest 
challenge over. You think Egypt was the biggest challenge, and it was. But remember, that generation had passed away. And so this generation had been walking in the desert for 40 years. The biggest and tallest challenge they saw was the vacation of Jesus. Here in Texas, stuff like a mesquite tree. You ever try to eradicate a mesquite tree? You know how tough that is. But could you imagine when you come into Gilgal and you walk into the plains of Jericho, and now all of a sudden there's a wall, a man-made wall. Bigger than anything you've ever seen before. The tales of the pyramids have begun to change in the family of You only heard now from people who had seen it and passed it on and passed it on and passed it on. And now all of a sudden you're walking to the plains of Jericho and you see the biggest wall you've ever seen. By himself, as a pastor, I got a good idea what he was doing. What do I think he was doing? I think he was doing what any leader would do. God, how are we going to overcome? God, can you show me what we're supposed to do? God, can you direct me, lead me, guide me, direct me? Or better yet, you know what he did? Maybe he was more badass than I am. You know what he probably did? God, give me a sign. <laughs> Does that sound like you? Huh? God, show me. Bible tells us, verse 13, he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite. I think it's amazing. God stood in front of him. Kind of a picture saying, you're going the wrong way. Standing opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. And that's what we're going to take a look at right now. This is the third thing that we need to learn this morning. What comes after the feast? We need to rededicate ourselves. We need to get back into God's will, listen to God's voice. And number three, we need to realize that God has a battle for us to fight. We think all the time that Christianity is love living and just being in the church and sitting in the pews and getting on our knees every great now and again and praying over small things and praying for big things. No, there's a battle for you to fight. And I want you to know that there's a picture and prophecy of this church. For a long time, the United States churches have been feasting on God's manna. But I promise you, there is a battle coming for us. And we better start reaffirming the covenant. And we better make sure we're hearing God's voice. And we better start putting the swords in our hands. Because if not, we're going to be caught with our pants down figuratively. Think about it for a second. Look here in verse 14. So he said, no. No. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I've come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped. Man, you might have some different versions. The older King James said, worship him. Fell down and worshipped with the new King James said, worship. And he said to him, what does my Lord say to your servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot. For the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. So this is a picture that Joshua would know much about. Joshua, the understudy of Moses, Joshua, the one who learned from Moses, heard those stories from Moses himself. When Moses was at that burning bush, you know the story I'm talking about. You know what I'm mentioning this morning. When Moses was there, and he was talking to a bush that was on fire, that didn't burn up. And as he was speaking to that bush, the bush spoke, the angel of the Lord, the bush responded and said, Moses, Place whereupon thou standest is holy ground. And what this 
particular commander of the army of the Lord is saying is, I am in your presence, Joshua, and you need to take your shoes off your feet because this place is now holy. And Joshua would have been reminded there and say, Pastor, I don't know who this is. That's irrelevant to me. Pastor, can you prove who this is? I can't. But I can tell you this. Whoever he was, he told Joshua to take the sandals off his feet. And Joshua did so. And his place was holy. And so we need to be reminded what comes after the feet isn't always nap time. We need to be reminded what comes after the feet is sometimes a battle. Time you've been ready for a battle. You know, the church of God oftentimes is mistaken. We take a look at it and say, well, this is a place where people come for healing. Amen. We do. But you know, the church of God is also a place where people come to get ready for the upcoming battle. And people, God's people, are trained for war. In fact, God's Bible, His book, often gives us pictures of what it means to go to war. Let me give you some quotes here as the Apostle Paul addresses young Timothy. He says, Be thou a good soldier. Timothy, be a good soldier of the Lord. Timothy, these are your orders. These are your marching orders. And so Paul reminds Timothy over and over again, you're a soldier. And soldiers don't have the freedom to say, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do that. They are under orders. And under orders means they have to maintain discipline. Christians, somewhere down the line, somewhere down the line, we have forgotten that there's discipline in the house of the Lord. Somewhere down the line, we've forgotten that we are soldiers in God's army. And we have forgotten that we are maintaining the gear He's given us, the equipment He's given us. Let's look at that quickly now. Let's take a look at those things. Number one is the army, and I'm going to use an army picture here. You know, an army can only march as far as it's fed. Think about that for a second. You can only go as far as your energy will let you go. In other words, an army marches on its stomach. And I want you to know, Christian, your food is not bread of this world, but it's bread from heaven. It's God's Word. And you need to be feasting on that daily. And if you will feed on that daily, you'll find that you can march wherever God needs you to go to. If you're not feeding on that and not feasting on that, and you're going to find out that you're going to want to give up halfway through the month. You're the one that's going to sit down and say, I can't go any further. You're the one that's going to say, I can't make it. And really, you need to be a part of the Lord's army. Number two, you're going to find out that God has given us weapons. That's right. He's given us weapons. In fact, the weapons of God are mighty in the pulling down the strongholds of the enemy. And one of the ones we're going to talk about this morning comes from Ephesians. Chapter 6, he has given us the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And let me tell you, Christian, the devil's not afraid of how strong you are. He's not afraid of how smart you are. But he is terrified at the very Word of God. You don't need to fight him with your physical ability. You fight him with the Word of God. That's the sword. And that's what the sword is. And number three, there's a rank system of God's Somewhere down the line, we forget God's the one in charge. Not us. Somebody say amen. When we try to direct God's army, we're the ones that find out that we need to get back in the cover with God in charge. I think it's amazing that the captain of the Lord's host showed up to Joshua, reminded him, Joshua, 
You're, you may be in charge of Israel, but God's in charge of you. And when you quit listening to God, you're in trouble. That's just where you are this morning. You've been given all kinds of responsibilities and all kinds of capabilities. And then somewhere down the line, you say, well, this can't do it without me. I want you to know God can do anything. This fool without you. God often reminds me He doesn't need me to preach a sermon. He wants to use the donkey. God can use the clouds. And as Jesus said to those Pharisees and Sadducees that morning, He said, the very rock. Modern church has been feasting on man for years, especially the United States church. And we better get back into the right relationship with God because just like Israel, we've got a battle to go through. See, the picture of Joshua chapter 5 is a time of rest. It's a time of healing. Remember, they had just sent the spies out. Remember, they had just seen the parting of the Jordan River. Remember, they had been fed by manna. Now they're coming across the Pharaoh's head. They sat down and they reaffirmed the covenant. And incidentally, circumcision is painful. It hurts. And God knows these things hurt. And God knows it takes time to heal. And that's why they stayed at Gilgal, healing. And while they were there, being obedient to what God had told them to do, they healed God again. That's just what you need to do today. Pastor, I need to go through that circumcision. I need to reaffirm that covenant. And isn't it really the fun this morning? Yes, it's painful. Yes, there's a cutting in it. You know what? He's ready to hear God's voice. Perhaps you say, Pastor Joshua, I do know God's voice. I have heard God's voice. And now when I look at the walls of Jericho, I'm going to say, I can get through this. And you know what? You can. You just can. And you need to let the captain of the Lord's post be in charge. And perhaps you say, Pastor thought when it comes to Christianity, we'll never be a part of anything like except the human. You need to take a picture from Joshua. Joshua 5, when he saw the captain of the Lord both his sword in his hand. Just you need to put the sword in your hand. You need to take it and use it. For it is quick, it is powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts down into the heart. And it cuts through our minds, into the bones, into the marrow, and it's the discerner of our thoughts. And it has a way of never coming that voice. Can you tell me a little bit about God's Word? It's got a way of bringing life where there is no life. God's Word, Jesus said, Thy Word is truth. And I'm talking about God's Word this morning. Now, God's Word has a way of making things right when it wasn't right. God's Word has a way of making something new when it was old. God's Word has a way of creating when there was nothing there. God's Word, Jesus Christ, can do anything and everything. Somebody get excited this morning. God's Word! You need to put it in your hand. You need to put it in your hand. You need to put it in your heart. You need to put it in your head. And you need start letting it come out of your mouth. Because that's what you teach on. That's what you raise on as a Christian. That's what you march on. And that's what you depend on. And if you know God's Word is dependable. Dependable. It doesn't come back home. Though this world might be breaking down, though our governments and our countries might be breaking down, it seems like peace is falling apart everywhere. God's Word is still secure. God's Word is still to be standing. 
God's word will still be quoted. You can take that to the bank. God's word. We're going to close in a word of prayer. Perhaps we spoke to you this morning. You say, Pastor Joshua, I need to put the music in my heart. I need to be a Christian. Be willing to come this morning. If you be willing to come, perhaps Romans 10 9 spoke to you. You will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised us from the grave. You'll be willing to come this morning. And perhaps you say, Pastor, I am a Christian. I just need to be a son of a You can come this morning. And perhaps you say, Brother Joshua, I need a touch of grace and I need a touch to be a part of it. You'll be willing to come and be a part of Whatever it is, God is calling you to do. We're going to close in a word of prayer. We've spoken to you this morning. You humble yourself and you come this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we come tonight in Jesus' name. Oh, how we thank you, Lord God, for your word. I'm asking you, Father, to take charge of your ministry. Speak to our hearts. Have your way, Lord, and be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. And you come as we sing. Ask me not in Jesus' name. Don't want to miss that sermon. Also, the powder patches are 430 here in the sanctuary as well. And we continue on with our normal services throughout the rest of the week. So be in prayer for those of you traveling out to Dallas to OCC. It's a wonderful time. If you're in it, let me know. And I'd like to personally pray for you as well as you go out to that. Let's close in that word of prayer. I hope to see you guys in the afternoon. Uh, Brother Joe, would you close with some prayer?